0: All right, how we doing Elevate? We're doing good. Yeah. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them that they are blessed today. Tell them. They they get to sit by you and enjoy your magnificent presence. They, they are blessed. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm glad that you are joining us. We are uh, in the middle, coming towards the end though, of a series we've been in now for four weeks on family. And what we've said is that this is necessary, this is important because families really are under attack. Satan, he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. And he really does seem to be doing such a good job at destroying so many families. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're Talking about things that we can do that will actually move us more towards God and more towards the things of God. And we started out the message series by talking about marriage. Uh, It's sad, but it's true that uh, 50% of marriages end in divorce. Again, the devil is just attacking, attacking. And so we talked about marriage. Then the next week we talked about something that oftentimes gets added to a marriage, and that is children. How many of y'all own a couple of those? A couple of those? You own them? Yep, so we talked about kids. Then the next week we talked about singles. We talked about singles, but it was something for all of us. And so uh, this, this week, if I had to give the, the message a title, it would be Seven Ways to Build a Christian Home. Seven Ways to Build a Christian Home. Because, uh, listen to me right here, uh, just because you are a Christian, that doesn't mean you've got a Christian home right? Just because you as a a husband or are a Christian or just because you as a wife are a Christian, it doesn't mean that you have a Christian home. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you're going to have a perfect home because nobody in here has a perfect home. Raise your hand if you've got a, a perfect home. Anybody, a couple people, if that's you, don't leave after service, because that means that you're better than King David, who was a man after God's own heart. You're wiser than Solomon, and I want to shake your hand. I can't wait to greet you. Uh, again, we, none of us have perfect homes, and the reason why, you know why? It's because we live in the real world. How many of y'all live in the real world? you know what I'm saying? Man, there are some troubles that we all uh, have, but God, what he wants us to do as Christians is he actually wants us to develop a Christian home. Homes that really are completely different than the homes around us. Homes that are different than people who are in this world. Now, the Bible talks about a great leader by the name of Joshua. Joshua was a leader for the nation of Israel, but not only was he a great leader for the nation of Israel, Joshua was a great leader for his home. And in Joshua chapter 24, he issues this challenge. It's really a, a challenge to the entire Nation, see, the, the nation is wavering in their faith. Faith. The nation is, is actually uh, kind of wavering between God, the God of Israel, and the God of all the other nations around them. And look at what Joshua says in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Here's what he says. He says, "But if serving the Lord, the Lord Yahweh, the Lord, the one true God, he says, "But if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you." Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Do you see that? Joshua is telling the nation of Israel, you have a choice to make. You've got a decision that you need to make, and and us as well. You have a choice to make. We have a decision to make. He says, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Rather, the the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And watch what he he says. This, to me, is amazing here because Joshua makes a declaration to the whole nation. He makes a, a declaration to the people here. He says, but as for me and my household. What does Joshua say? He says, as for me as an individual. As for my wife. As for my kids, as for me and my household, our choice is to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to love the Lord. So that should be what you and I decide. That's what God wants us to decide. But how in the world do we do it? How do we actually build a home that serves the Lord? How do we really create a Christian home? Again, i got seven things for you. But don't worry, I know the Saints game starts at noon, we're not going to go over all seven of those today, we're just going to cover three, you've got to come back next week for part B of the message, alright? But if you want to write them down, uh, the first thing I want you to see today, if you want to build a Christian home is you got to, Christ has, has to be first, he's got to be first. Now, can we just be real and admit that there is always a fight? first, right, right, there's always a fight, football season is among us, and y'all pray for Drew Brees and his thumb, uh, I told my mom this past week that, and she said, I don't think God's worried about that, but my mom don't know the Bible like I know the Bible, you know what I'm saying, in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, I want y'all to see this, this is important, okay, here's what the Bible says, it says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all The what? The saints. It don't say the Patriots. It don't say the Rams. It don't say the Raiders or whoever. It says all the saints, even the New Orleans ones. You know what I'm saying? Who that? Y'all pray for them. But again, there's this fight for first. Even when you're a kid, you know what I mean? There's a a fight for first. Remember when you're on the playground and it's time to go inside? You know, a, a, a teacher doesn't just say, everybody go inside. Why? Because if they did that, kids would be trampled. Do you know what I'm saying? It'd be chaos. They don't even say line up in a, in a straight line because they know that's just going to create chaos as well. What do they usually do? A smart teacher does something different. They'll select a line leader, somebody like Robert. They say, hey, everybody line up behind Robert, right? And then what happens is everybody lines up. They, they get in line. They choose somebody to be First, and everybody else, again, lines up behind them. Well, Jesus says the exact same thing in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I want you to see this. He says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All the other things, when you put Jesus first, they should fall in line. And so here's another way of looking at it. See, when I was coming up, didn't have a dad, and so if my mom was going to take Me and my sister somewhere, what that meant was the passenger seat. The front seat was always available. And so you know what we would always fight over? We would fight over that front seat. But if you were going to get front seat, you had to scream and yell something out. Does anybody know what you had to yell out if you were going to sit in the (laughs) shotgun? (laughs) Right? You had to yell it out. And there's a lot of kids who don't understand all the rules for shotgun nowadays. So this is real. Look, www.shotgunrules.com. It exists, okay? If you're confused, you can go there. They've got all the bylaws and everything laid out for you. And I just want to share some of them with you because they're important, okay? Here's here's the bylaws. This is law 1.1. Here's what it says. It says you must say the word shotgun to stake your claim on shotgun. This must be done clearly and loud enough so that at least one other occupant-to-be of the vehicle can hear you. Any person who wishes to claim shotgun must actually pronounce the word shotgun. One may not say the name or a type of shotgun, such as 12-gauge. That doesn't work. You have to say shotgun. This is important. Y'all laughing. This is important, man. I'm trying to create order in your home. Rule 1.3, you need to know this. It says you must be outside. To call shotgun, right? you got to be able to see the vehicle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can't call shotgun three days in a row. I mean, three days ahead of time. You know what I'm saying? you got to call it when you see the vehicle. Rule 2.1. Again, this is a bylaws. Your footwear for the ride in shotgun must be on your feet before you can call shotgun. Since you must be outside to call shotgun, some people simply grab their shoes sandals, jump outside the building and call shotgun before putting their shoes on. This has been deemed unethical and is not a legal procedure. <laughs> I'm serious. This is important. Then rule 2.11, this deals with shotgun abandonment, Okay. So if the shotgunner exits the vehicle, shotgun becomes available to the remaining passengers as soon as the exiting shotgun rider has opened the door to exit. Once shotgun is available, you must exit the car yourself. See rule 1.3, you must be outside to call shotgun. Once shotgun is available, you must exit the car yourself and call shotgun before the other occupants. Again, if you've got kids, if you'll learn these rules, it will just help create order. you be like, it's not my fault you didn't follow the rules, right? Right this... This really is important. I promise you this. Well folks, here's the reality. Years ago, God called shotgun. He said he has to be first in Exodus chapter 20 verse 3. Look at what he says. He says, "You shall have no other gods before me." I'm telling you, the God who created everything, the God who spoke this world into existence, the one who created the rocks, the reels, the holes, the hills, the birds, the bees, the ewes, the me, he created everything with the sheer power of his voice. The one that has all power and all authority, he said he has to be first. Yet, there's this internal struggle for all of us to make that a reality. And do you know why that is? It's because we love so many different things. We really do. And can we just be honest? How many of you know that when you really love something, you go after it? How many people know that? When you love something, you go after Any deer hunters in the room today? Any deer hunters? Man, I'm excited about deer season, man. It's right around the corner. I need some more deer meat at my house. Somebody told me after the first service, they was going to bring me some deer burger. I said, praise the Lord. I need to preach about this more often. Man, I like summer sausage. Anybody else? Man, that's a good preaching. Y'all need to listen. Man, uh, tenderized deer. Ooh, man, I love it. Oh, man, I love deer meat. And so, but if, if, you, if, you, if you're a deer hunter, have you ever really thought about, like, what you do? Well, like, what you do is kind of weird. And I'm not picking on you because I'm a deer hunter too. And, and I'll, I'll do the same thing. But think about, really, if you're a deer hunter, what you, you do. You, you, you will actually get up way before daylight, right? You'll climb out of a warm bed. And you'll, you'll climb into a cold tree. That's, that's what you'll do. You'll, you'll spend hundreds of dollars on new clothes, camouflage. You know what I'm saying? That deer can't see me. You'll spend hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars on a deer camp. You'll you spend thousands of dollars on a four wheeler. You'll spend all kinds of money on a on a gun and on bullets. They're important, man. They really are. You'll put feed out. You know what I'm saying? You're you're gonna feed them. You know what I'm saying? You're not supposed to do that. Don't tell nobody. But you know you'll do that. Then you'll even spray the scents. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You'll spray deer urine, you're, you're you know, doe urine around you. You're like, I don't want that. I don't want the deer to smell me. Mm-mm. I, I want them to come in there. And then and then you know what you're trying to do? You, you're trying to get that buck you saw on your trail camera. You saw it, and you were like, ooh. First time you saw it, you're like, that's my deer. Somebody else better not get my deer. That's my deer. How many of y'all ever got mad at somebody else for killing your deer? Yeah, yeah, that's my deer. I saw it first. And, and, and so, again, again, it's kind of weird, though, because don't you do the exact thing, same things when you're, like, dating somebody? Right? You know what I'm saying? You're like, what are you talking about? Don't 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 you like you? I mean, you'll stay up late at night. You'll get up early if it means that you can win their affection, right? You'll you'll do. That. Then you'll spend all kinds of money on new clothes so you can look fresh, right? You want to look fresh for them. You'll you'll spend money taking them out to eat. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to win them over. You might know what I'm talking about. Some of you're like, uh, uh-uh, uh. And what about that? You'll even you you'll even spray some cologne. Shh, shh. I don't want them smelling me, you know. I only want them getting my scent, you know. what I'm saying I want to spray, spray that Axe body spray or Stenson or whatever it is that people wear nowadays. I don't even know. But you'll say, man, and nobody else better get my girl. I saw her first. Anybody, anybody, some of y'all are like, I don't care, whatever. That's really how we are, man. And we do all those things and more. Why? Because we're in love, right? When you're in love, you go after the things that you actually love. Can we agree with that? When you're in love, you go after things that, that you love. Well, well, why then isn't it obvious that some people love God? Why isn't it obvious that people are actually going after God? Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Come on, folks. If we love God that way, shouldn't it be obvious? If we love God that way, shouldn't other people see the way that we're actually going after him? So the question is, what do you love most? Is it Christ? Because Christ has to be first. In 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17, we're told, "Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of God lives forever. What is John trying to say there? If you can believe it, when John wrote this, what was happening in the church is that there were people who actually were saying they loved God but they were having an affair with with the world. Instead of really putting Christ first. They were chasing after other things. And so John is saying, you've got to seek Christ above all and before all. God has to be first. And I can't help but think that if God could say something to some of the people in the universal church this morning, and maybe even people in this room, he would say, you know what, stop loving the world. He'd say, put him first He'd say, if you want your relationships to work out right, if you want your life to be right, everything else, everything else will fall in line if you'll put Jesus Christ first. Parents, listen to me. If you are half-hearted in doing this, your children will be quarter-hearted. If you don't put Christ first, your children won't. If you're half-hearted in it, I promise you, this will dilute with every generation that follows. Again, so that the parents in the room, I, I would say, you know, What's your, what, what are you doing? See, there's not a parent in this room who would say, I don't want my child to love God. Nobody here would say that. We would say, we want our child to love God. That, that's, that's what we would say. But, but again, the question is, are we setting the example? A lot of times we think we can just bring our kids to church once a month or every now and then and they'll get this injection of Jesus and that that will be enough to cause them to love God. But I'm telling you, that's not going to work. I'm telling you, it won't work. You and I as parents, we model this to our. Children, so parents, are you putting God first? Is he first in your relationships? Is he first in your home? Is he first in your finances? Single person, is Christ first in your life? No matter who you are, no matter what you do, is Christ first in your life? Do other people look at you and know that you are loving God with all your heart? Do they see you seeking him? Is Christ first? That's how you build a Christian home. Not only do we put Christ first, but the second thing that I want you to see, if you're going to build a Christian home, is you've got to create a great atmosphere. You've got to create a great atmosphere. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 9 says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. How many of y'all know that, that life is meant to be enjoyed? It is. Life is meant to be enjoyed. I heard a true story about a Lonely wife who every night she would look out her window and she would look at her new, the new neighbors that had moved across the street. And every night the husband would come home with, with flowers in his hands. And when he would get out of the car, he'd say, sweetie, I'm home. And she'd walk out the door and that husband would walk over to his wife and he'd scoop her up and he'd hug her and he'd give her a kiss and then he'd give her the flowers. And so this went on every night and every night this lonely wife saw this happen. And so one day, the lonely wife said to her husband, who was watching television, she said, honey, have you noticed the new neighbors? The man said, yeah. And the wife said, well, have you noticed what she gets every night? And he said, what? She said, I'll tell you what she gets. She gets a kind word. She gets a hug. She gets a kiss. She gets flowers. She says, why don't you do that too? The man looked at her, looked at his wife, and just said, Well, honey, I I don't even know that lady. (laughs) Again, husbands, what kind of atmosphere are you creating with your wife in your home? Wives, what kind of atmosphere are you creating with your husband in your home? Parents, what type of atmosphere are you creating in your home? I stumbled across this tip for parenting, and it was called Triple A Parenting. It was saying that things that, that, that all kids need, things that parents need to do in their homes, and the A stand for something, and the, the first A stands for authority. And so let me speak to the men in the room, since I am a man. There are some men who think, you know what, at home I'm the big boss. I'm the, I'm the final say. And if that's you, you need to understand that you're really not the big boss. You know who the big boss is? Jesus is the big boss we all submit to Jesus Christ, and as we submit to Jesus, we submit to one another. So let me give you another, another way of looking at authority, another, another way of, of viewing it. Authority in your home isn't about showing how big you are or being some sort of dictator. It has to do with your presence, just being there. See, studies show that today 25% of homes in America are, are fatherless homes. Where fathers just aren't there. Men, your children need to see you. Your children need to know that you are there. I want my children to follow rules, but I also want them to know that I am there. Because if I'm not there very often, they might follow the rules while I am there, but as soon as I leave, you know what's going to happen? They're not going to follow them. They're going to run wild. And so I want my kids to know that I'm there. I want my kids to know that they can come to me. It's important. And so AAA parenting does involve authority, but it also involves affection. I read this past week that every home should be filled with awe, all. It should be filled with affection. It should be filled with warmth. And it should be filled with encouragement. Every home should be filled with Oh, I want my kids to know that I love them. I will hug my teenage daughter if she, even if she don't want me to hug her. This past Friday night, she was going somewhere with her friends, and they came into the house, and I was like, "Come give me a hug," and she wouldn't. So you know what I did? I went, and gave her a hug in front of all her friends. Get off of me! That's what but I love her. I will argue with my eight-year-old for 10 minutes about the fact that I love her more than she loves me. I'll be like, no, I love you more. No, I love you more. She's like, Dad, I love you more. I said, babe, I said at first, I love you more. So I always love you more than what you say you love me. I love you more. And she's like, Well, I don't get it. So, I mean, but I will argue with her about that. There needs to be affection in the home. Triple A parenting involves authority. It involves affection. And those two things, if you do those two things, it will create a dip- different atmosphere in your home. It will. What kind of atmosphere are you creating in your home? Parents, we're not raising teenagers anymore. We're raising screen Right? And we can say the kids are terrible for doing that. But parents, you know what? We're just as bad. I said it this morning in the early service. several people from our church have shared that little link that shows all these pictures where they actually removed the cell phones from, from people's hands and kind of showed you how, they, how you how we look like zombies. We're raising. What are we doing, man? I don't One thing that we've tried to do at our house every week, and I love it, is we have communion every week, I would challenge you guys, if you're not doing that, you need to do it. Man, we sit down around the table every week. And you know what, it's the weirdest thing. We like look at each other. (laughs) And talk. How many, like it's weird, we have conversations. It's so weird, man, I'm like, how's this happening? And there's no, we put the screens down and we come together and we talk and we pray over one another. And I try to make that time exciting. I try to make that atmosphere exciting. We've got several people from our church who have been there while we've done this. And they participated in it with us. Man, I'm, I'm running around the house before we do it. I'm singing. I'm singing. I'm trying to get the kids worked up and pumped up and excited. And I'll be like, well, so first off, when you're having a community in the Jewish culture, it's called a Shabbat, a Sabbath dinner. Shabbat, that's what it means. And so, man, I'll be running around the house, Shabbat spot, 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 spot. Some of y'all don't understand. And my kids are like, what are you doing, man? But then I'm like, everybody get Shabbat on. What? And man, nobody in my house will sing with me except for Sadie Kate. Everybody else looks at me like I'm the weirdest person in the world. But you know what? They're going to remember that. They're going to remember it. They're going to remember it when they get older. And folks, my family's not perfect. I just want us to be better. I do. And all too often, so many parents are saying, Well, when the kids get a little older, we'll do stuff like that. All too often, parents are saying, When we get a little more money, we'll do something together. But you listen to me. The family that you have now is the family that you have, the resources that you have now are the resources that you have. It doesn't matter what that looks like. Create a better atmosphere. It can be done. It can be done. Turn whatever atmosphere you have into a better atmosphere. If you want to create a Christian home, you've got to keep Christ first. Then you you create a great atmosphere. There's a third thing that you can do if you want to have a Christian home, and that is clarify your values. Clarify values. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses is talking to the nation of Israel as they are about to enter into the promised land. They're actually about to enter in to their home where they were meant to live. And look at what the Bible says in verses 1 through 2. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their grandchildren after them May fear the Lord and your, the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy a long life. Do you see what Moses says there? Moses says what you do. He's looking at the entire nation. He says what you do is not just going to influence you. It's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect your kids. It's not just going to affect your kids. It's going to affect their kids. Parents, you listen to me. <laughs> You think it just affects you, what you do. Your grandchildren are going to be affected by the decisions and choices that you are making today. And folks, kids are a gift from God. How many of y'all believe that? Kid, kids, kids, are they're costly, right? CBS just released some information not too long ago about the average cost to raise a child from birth to age 17. And, and like, here, here's what they said. They said from birth to 17 will cost $233,610 to raise one child. So next time your kid's are like, you don't ever spend no money on me, say, I'm broke because of you. That's what you say. <laughs> right? I got three kids, a quarter of a million. I'm about to spend, like, and you gotta, if you got girls, it's a million bucks. I don't know, man. It just, <laughs> it just costs more. Right? But this is crazy. Kids are costly. But they are valuable. They are. And we're supposed to put value in them. And so how do you put the right kind of value in your kids? When we live in a world that's trying to tell them to get their value from all this other garbage, how do we put the right kind of value in them. See, see when it comes to to getting the right kind of value, you got to have the right source, right? And when it comes to value, there are there really are three sources of value that exist. There's an external source of value, and what that is is it basically it says it says well, well you know everybody else this is what everybody else thinks this is what everybody else says is valuable. We just go with the crowd. We're gonna do what the world it says. That's what the world says. The problem with that is that Romans 12 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's this external source, but then there's an internal source where people will just say, well, I just, I just feel like I'm supposed to do this. I just think, right? I just feel. Anybody ever say stuff like that? But how many of you know your feelings are fickle? Feelings can change. Man, you... You know, Mexican food will make you feel differently. <laughs> Ice cream make you feel... Pizza will make you feel differently. Uh, y- y- your feelings... Which, so what are your thoughts? Any of y'all ever had some thoughts that trouble you? Anybody? Just me? Okay. A couple people being honest. Man, I don't, I don't usually complain about things. This is a true story. A couple weeks ago, I had a complaint. And so I ran into the person who could address my complaint, my issue. And and I was like, "Hey, I'd I really—I got an issue. I got a problem. I'd like to talk to you about." And that person looked at me and says, well, "It's just really going to depend on what it is." I got people who handle things. I said, like, "Oh, really? You've got people who handle things." I thought I got people too. Thunder and lightning. I'm about to. Blow. You know, I was. i all was, was, pray for me, man. Sometimes our thoughts be troubling us. Is it just me? You can't depend on your feelings and on your thoughts. Why? Because They will fail you Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 says this For my thoughts are not your thoughts Neither are your ways My ways declares the Lord As the heavens are higher than the earth So are my ways higher than your ways And my thoughts higher than your thoughts Our thoughts can't always be trusted Our feelings Can't always be trusted So there's this external source There's this internal source But then there's another source And it's an eternal source it's an eternal source. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. See, see folks, what the world thinks is valuable fluctuates. It does. What, what the world thinks is valuable will change. What you feel Inside will change. The only thing that will never change is the Holy Word of God. And that's why you and I need to commit ourselves to reading God's Word each and every day. <laughs> People say I'm too busy. I don't have time to read the Word. If you, if you don't have time to read the if you're too busy to read the Word, you're too busy. Don't tell me you don't have time. Man, we will Netflix for hours We won't just watch episode after episode. We'll watch season after season. We have time. And so we need to get our values from the holy word of God. Parents, if you're not even reading the word of God, how are you going to get the word of God in your kids? Parents, what's important to you? What is it that you value? If you are a Christian parent, let me tell you what you need to value. As a Christian parent, you need to value eternal souls. Listen to me. There are people who get married, and after they've been married for a little while, or however long they feel they seem fit, they'll say this. Let's have a baby. Anybody ever heard that? Let's have, let's have a baby. Nobody ever says, let's have a teenager. Nobody says that. Nobody. People say, let's have a baby. And when they say that, they have no idea what they're actually saying. They don't. (laughs) You want a baby? (laughs) Do you know what you're actually saying when you say you're going to have a baby? Do you know what you're actually doing? What you're saying is I'm going to partner with God. And I'm going to create an eternal soul. Man, listen to me. It's not just a baby. Look at that smile. Look at that picture. It's an eternal soul that you as a parent have said, you know what? We're going to partner with God and create. That means you have a responsibility. Man, Christian parents understand that. It's an eternal soul. They also value the fact that their example as a parent is far more important than their opinion. Parents, listen to me. Your kids might not be reading the Bible, but they're reading you. And they see what you think is real valuable. They see whether or not your Christian walk is important to you. They see whether or not Christ is first in your life. They see what you value. I read an article this past Week about a couple from the UK that won $115 million in the European lottery. That's them right there, just beginning of the year. 1119. There they won 115 million. That's a lot of money. And there's a lot of people who will say, well, you know, money can't buy you happiness. But how many of y'all are like? I sure would like to try. <laughs> it is me. But 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 really, this is important. You know what? When they were being interviewed, you know what they said? Here's what they said. They said, money doesn't bring you happiness. We already had happiness, and we've been blessed in our life. And you know what they're doing with their money? They're giving it all away. They're they're actually teaching something about value and what's important. That, That money isn't really valuable. Something else that Christian parents should value is a healthy marriage. And the greatest thing you as a father can do for your kids is love your wife. It is. You need to invest in your marriage. You need to invest in one another. And the last thing that I want you to see that Christian parents need to value is making their child's spiritual development a top priority. Making their child's spiritual development a top priority. See, folks, we got our kids involved in anything and everything. Kids play baseball. They play soccer. They play football. They swim. They play ping pong. I don't even know. They twirl flags. They're in the band. They run. They do everything. And we want them to be great physically. And we want them to be great academically. you got to make good grades. But the most important thing should be their spiritual development. Why? Because of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. Parents, you look at this. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What good is it if your kid's the best football player in Mississippi, if they forfeit their soul? What good is it if your kid makes it to the major leagues if they forfeit their soul? What good is it if your son makes all sorts of uh, Olympic records and gets gold medals but forfeits his soul? The number one thing that you can do for your kids has to do with their spiritual development. See, we used to teach our kids to worship God and play sports. But the world in which we live teaches your kids to play God and worship sports. I'm serious. There are too many kids trying to find their identity in sports. They put their hope in sports. And parents, I love you, but it's our fault. We'll drive hundreds of miles to take our kids To a sporting event, to a sport game. Wake up early, but then we'll sleep in on a Sunday morning instead of coming to church. I'm telling you, you gotta connect your kids to God. We gotta connect our families to the church and to spiritual community. If you do that, it will set up a habit for your kids that when their sport fails them, they'll fall back on. I'm telling you parents though, values are modeled and they're modeled through us. If you're lukewarm, if I'm lukewarm with Jesus and the church, it won't go well for your kids. You say, well, man, Robert, I don't. that seems a little heavy. I don't wanna overwhelm my kids. Okay, but you don't wanna underwhelm them either. kind of environment are you creating at home what does your home look like are you developing a Christian home or are you just hoping that it naturally happens you say well my wife won't do right my husband won't do right my kids won't do right my mom and dad won't do right look you might not be able to control what they do But I promise you, you can do these things. You can put Christ first. You can create a better atmosphere. And you can clarify your values. You're not responsible for what everybody else does, but you, you can do right. Are you developing a Christian home? Is Christ first? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But maybe you walked in here today. And you realize... You know what? I hadn't been doing everything right in my home. Just kind of been hoping it happens. And you'd say, you know what? Today I want to do better. I want to commit to doing these things, at least for this next week. Listen, I promise you, if you'll do right, God will bless you. And so if that's you, just right where you are, I'm just going to ask you to pray this. Father, forgive me. For not building the type of home that you want me to build. For not building a home that's different from the homes in this world. But I pray today. I pray today that things would change. That I would have a renewed passion for you. And that my home would be different because I'm different. Again, we're continuing to pray. But maybe you came in here today and and you don't know Christ. Again, no relationship that you have will ever be right until that relationship is right. And so you know, man, Christ hasn't been first in your life. You've been living for yourself. You've been living for sin. You've been living for the devil. And you'd say, you know what, today I need to surrender to Christ and his lordship today you want to be saved and Jesus can make you brand new in an instant I'm not talking about a better version of the old you I'm talking about a brand new you and so if you'd say you know what today I want to be saved I want to give my heart to Christ right where you are I'm going to ask that you pray this prayer father forgive me for all of my sin come into my heart and make me brand new I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. Empower me with your Holy Spirit to live for you all the days of my life. Again, we're still praying. But if you prayed to receive Jesus today, you prayed to be saved, would you do me a favor and right where you are, would you just boldly raise your hand, say, hey, you know what? Amen, 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 amen. Amen. Father. We thank you for new life. Father, I thank you today that some people have decided they're going to put you first. Father, I pray that you would show them how rewarding it is. Living a life where you're first. May everything else fall in line because of the decision that they've made today. Father, I just thank you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.